0: Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellivate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymedica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources, and go to the WellEvate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, a certified holistic health coach, and welcome to the Quest for Healing podcast. Whether you're just starting out on your health journey or you're farther down your path, I've created this podcast to inspire and inform your health journey through first, some extraordinary healing stories from real people, second, an exploration of some intriguing healing modalities, and third, through conversations with enterprising people who are making a difference in the health of our world. Before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to give a shout out to Nana's 0516 for her recent review of the show on Apple Podcasts. She said, this is exactly what the chronic illness community needed. Listening to others' healing stories is healing, and it's a fantastic faith and hope builder. This podcast is something I wish I had had from the start of my healing journey. Please give it a listen. Thank you so much for this review. This is exactly why I'm doing this, and I'm so glad to hear that it's resonating. I appreciate you taking the time to write this. It means a lot to me. Welcome to episode 19. I am so excited for this episode because it's a very special and moving interview with this week's guest, brilliant singer-songwriter Alyssa Degotti. She talks about her myriad of health issues, including extreme acne, multiple pulmonary embolisms at a very young age, debilitating anxiety and depression, and then on top of all of this, suddenly developing an inability to swallow. Through coping with multiple near-death experiences as a result of her failing health, she lost her passion for music, but then she talks about how her passion and inspiration started to come back, even when she was still near the depths of despair and how her beautiful song, Angel of Mercy, came to be. This is such a beautiful conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, just a reminder, these discussions are not intended to provide medical advice, but rather to give you examples of methods and modalities that you may find interesting, informative, or helpful. Please work with your doctor as you undertake your own health journey. And with that, let's go to the episode. Alyssa, thank you so much
1: for being on the show today. I'm so excited for our conversation. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so honored. Thank you for having me.
0: I think people are really going to benefit from your healing story because it's so, and I'm going to let you tell it, but there is so much to it and it's so moving. And as I've already mentioned in the intro, the song that you wrote that came out of this is so beautiful. And so I think other people are really going to benefit from understanding how all of this intertwined. So I'm really excited for this interview.
1: Me too. (laughs) I'm excited to share. This is actually... Uh, the first time I'm sharing my story, so I'm honored I'm honored.
0: Oh, that's wonderful thank you for thank you for doing it here with us. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. so why don't you take us back to earlier on in your health journey and you know what was going on?
1: So where it all began, really honestly, I've battled chronic illness since birth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember my mom telling me at a few months old, I was going back and forth to CHOP, a major children's hospital, because I was so sick. And she had said that my, I don't know if my ureters were deformed or not yet fully developed, but it was causing all sorts of infections and and problems. And so they opted not to do surgery because I was so little, but it caused a UTI, like a really bad UTIs for me. So I was on my first heavy duty antibiotics at maybe six months. And so from there, then I was just a very, very sick baby and child. I remember I had this really deep, raspy, froggy voice, like mommy, you know, I was always just like, always sick until I got my tonsils out at four. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just had the chronic strep really, really bad. And then I remember thinking like that cured me because I never had strep throat present again, up until... I was an adult, but I remember thinking that cured me that surgery, but it didn't. I had, I was then um, also diagnosed as a child with reactive air airway, which is another diagnosis for when they don't really know. It's not really asthma, but it's presenting like that. And so I was always on nebulizers and breathing treatments and bronchitis pneumonia. So pretty sick as a kid and pretty underweight. And then, um, from there, when stuff really started to get more uncomfortable was when I hit puberty at nine years old, I was really super young. And then at that point, my weight switched the other way. And I I started to gain weight and I developed acne. So at nine, so for 20 years of my life, and not just on my face, but my whole body, and then I was also diagnosed with scoliosis. I was a dancer and I had broke my hip at a very young age. So then they found wow. scoliosis, which, you know, are heavy metals. And so there was a lot, like, it was evident with my knowledge now, looking back, that there was a very high pathogen load and metals and the chronic strep. And so that just, the perfect storm was already in the works. The acne and the weight plagued me to the point where it was around, sad to say, but as as young as nine, 10, 11, like preteen, I really felt different. And I really, really started to believe that my body was faulty. And that I had bad genes and it just felt so unfair. Like it really, really impacted me. I felt like, you know, compared to my family members who seemed perfect in my eyes, you know, perfect skin perfect weight. I was battling would just felt like nobody else was like, especially at that age,
0: especially. Yeah.
1: And then the other piece of this is my music journey. And so I started working professionally in the music business as young as 12, but I was always entertaining. I mean, from the time I was three, I was in piano and dance. I was always performing. So in the spotlight and always had this fearless nature. I loved it, but something in me started to become very self-conscious and just feel really honestly plagued by, by the acne. And so, I mean, that started, you know, years of, of seeing so many dermatologists and I've tried literally every cream, every antibiotic, every laser, microdermabrasion, peel, Accutane multiple times, you name it, I did Mm -hmm. it and nothing ever helped. And so I just honestly thought I was, I was stuck with it forever. And, um, and then the weight, you know, Again, being in the music business adds this layer, this layer of pressure, and I was already a perfectionist. And but you, when you're in the entertainment business, unfortunately, it's um, ego-driven, and and you feel like you have to be perfect. And um, I remember being told, like, if you were just 15 pounds lighter, like, you, you know. And so I was pretty resilient and had thick skin as a kid, but that still hurts. And I was very self-conscious, and so I developed pretty severe eating disorders from a very young age. I I was put on my first diet at 12, began yo-yo dieting. And it was just a vicious cycle that, and then hormonally, like I just always had really, really, um, heavy, painful cycles. I remember I was told that I had a sick thyroid, like there was never anything to diagnose, but, but, they did find um, nodules, and so there was that. Just a lot of things that I think, as a society, that we just think are like normal and common.
0: I think that's the problem, right? Like they've become so common that everybody considers them
1: normal. Yeah, and it's sad. And and that was true for me. I think it was just, you know, I definitely just thought I have shitty genes, and these are the cards I was dealt, and you know, just like deal with it. But it's not where you, you know, it's not like I viewed myself as sickly. Like I didn't, I didn't feel held back, but I was, especially in hindsight, I can see so clearly, but, Mm -hmm. um, but there were all these things and, and just thinking it was normal, like having battling seasonal allergies and being on meds for that and horrible acid reflux from a very young age. And, um, you know, I thought it was normal to poop every two weeks you know, and then have massive blood from that. And just, you know, it'd be on Miralax every day since I'm a child, like all these things where I'm, my body was just not functioning properly. And um, just, I mean, on so many steroids, antibiotics, allergy shots, you name it. Like I had a pill case at a very young age, just from like having to manage like just so many medications and Now I'm at, I'm like 15 or 16 in high school and Mm -hmm. my music career is starting to take off. And I'm at that point where I'm thinking about maybe dropping out of school. um, So you're performing at this point. So all the while, yeah, I'm still performing. Okay. um, Doing it all, dancing, singing, acting, but music was always my, my greatest love. And so I... I was twelve when I wrote my first song and and record. I actually recorded before that, but recorded my own first album. I was twelve, and then I did a ton of demo work living in Nashville. So I got to go to the studio and and sing on other records for people, and it was really amazing. And I, I kept writing and putting out more albums, and I really had my big break at sixteen when I got invited to go to Hollywood and perform at this event for, it's unbelievable for 60,000 people. It was at the, the staple center and it was hosted by the Lakers. And, um, that was like my first big, I had been obviously performing, but that was my first big performance and first time to California. And it was a really big deal. So wow, um, I actually ended up moving out there at 16 with my mom and working for the summer. And I was devastated when they made me move home. They, my parents said I had to move home and finish school and i was so mad because <laughs> I just thought you know I have my life figured out like I right know I want. I'm very lucky to you know from my earliest memory this was what I eat sleep and breathe and all I ever wanted to do and I felt very fortunate that I was just working and, and doing it and I I was sure of my path and so here I am with all these opportunities and having this momentum and I thought why am I gonna have to go back to school and just you know <laughs> And be a normal kid, like it just felt just horrible. And so I did at, at, um, at 17, I, I moved back home to finish senior year. And then, you know, in my mind, it's like, as soon as I graduate, I'm, I'm heading back out to to LA and following my dreams. So mm-hmm. here's where, here's where it gets interesting. So leading up to all that, you know, my cycles were just getting increasingly worse. I was seeing every doctor, every specialist. Um, I ended up at an oncologist because they were thinking maybe I had cancer because my periods were just so debilitating and I had so much pain. And so they wanted to rule out tumors and, and they ended up ruling out cancer and they landed on ovarian cysts, which they said are very common and they could do surgery, but they kind of leave that as a last resort. And since I was having all of these hormonal symptoms like acne and hot flashes. I remember people always like, even to this day, when I say, Oh, I'm having a hot flash or something, I don't really get them anymore. But, you know, up until recently, if I would say that people would look at me older women, and they would just dismiss it. Like, there's no way like talk to me when you get to menopause. And I'm like, I've been having hot flashes since I'm nine. And they're like, it's impossible. And I'm like, No, like, I had a sluggish liver. (laughs) I started having them at 35.
0: Yeah. Like it does. You don't have to wait until you get to
1: menopause. Yeah. No, no. So it's so interesting. So I'm sitting at the oncologist's office and they want to put me on birth control because that's how they want to treat all the other symptoms. And that's what made sense. And I was so desperate. I was like, give it to me. My mom was like, no, I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable with this, but I was so desperate at this point. So I started birth control pills in April while I was still working in LA for the summer moved back home to Tennessee to finish high school. And it was homecoming week. So by October, I remember I I woke up one morning with, actually it hit me in the middle of the night with just excruciating back and chest pain. And mind you, I'm somebody that has a very high pain tolerance. Um, I broke my hip when I was 12 and like, I just really never complained ever. And I was also very much pretty carefree and didn't stress about stuff. I was just very, you know, go with the flow. And I around the same time I began the hormone, taking the hormones, I became such a hypochondriac and just always, I just remember always being like having this hyper awareness of my body and always thinking I was dying. So that was weird. And a couple of people pointed that out. Like, why are you acting like that? Like, that's not, that doesn't seem like you. And so anyway, I am, awoken in the middle of the night with this horrendous pain. And I come downstairs the next morning, getting ready for school. And I tell my mom, like, mom, I feel like I'm having a heart attack. Like the pain is that bad. And my mom was like, you're fine. You're 17. Like take an Advil and go to school. (laughs) So I did, I took, I think probably four Advil or six Advil. And, and she called the doctor and I actually did go to my pediatrician and they had no idea. They said they think it was viral, like a a pleurisy. So an inflammation of of the lungs, but go to the hospital just to be sure and get checked. And so we did. And I went to the hospital and I had lung x-rays, EKGs. I had all the tests and everything was clear. Everything was normal. And so we were relieved and we just had to let it run its course. And so a week goes by and I'm i mean it's hard to articulate the pain it's it's beyond excruciating i can't get relief at any point and it's it almost felt like because i did have such bad digestive issues it kind of felt like really bad gas because it was common for me when i would have gas and be constipated to have sharp pains like up in my chest so it kind of felt like that but way worse obviously like nothing i'd ever felt kind of like that so i thought maybe i'm just like really constipated (laughs) it was really, really, really bad. So a week later, wow! and again, at school, like it's, it's a really festive, fun time, and I should want to be there. And for seniors, it was really celebrated and fun. And I just, I was so miserable. And so a week later, I come downstairs, and my lips are blue, and I'm trying to eat my breakfast, and I can't even hold up a spoon. And I'm just crying to my mom, like, Mom, please don't make me go to school. Like, I just want to try to lay here and try to find comfort, even though I can't, like, I'm just so desperate. And so my mom called my pediatrician again, and he was pretty adamant about sending us back to the hospital. But I was like, I don't want to go. I remember saying, I don't want to go and sit there all day for more tests. Like I already know I'm fine. I know I specifically said, I know I'm not dying and I don't want to go do that. And so my mom was fighting him and he said, you know, I'm begging you to go. Something's not right. Like, please take her. We've already called ahead. They're expecting you. And so my mom drug me back to the hospital and I underwent several more tests and it was a long day. And um, I remember after many hours, the doctor coming in and kind of saying like what they were looking for and like the worst case scenario. And then he delivered the news that I actually had pulmonary embolisms. So I had, my lungs were, full of blood clots and I was 17 and oh my God, unheard of They had never seen this. And I went into complete shock. And I just remember, I remember saying I was so innocent. I remember saying to the doctor, like, I'm about to die. And I have never even kissed a boy. (laughs) It was so sad. Um, and I said, am I going to, am I going to die? Are you going to save me? And and he said, he couldn't answer. He said, oh, we're going to do everything in our power. And so immediately it was just like my life turned upside down. They start me on blood thinners and I'm admitted in the hospital. And did they have any idea what was causing that, At that time? Not a clue. And to this day, not a clue. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I stayed in the hospital for a few weeks and the clots had to dissolve on their own. And I think that's what was first of all, it was a complete miracle that I survived because I went a week misdiagnosed and most people don't survive a day with that condition. So that's a miracle in itself. But then you have to, what I was told was you just have to wait. You can't give yourself too much blood thinner. You. It's kind of that fine line. So it was, it was right. um, just waiting to see. And I remember the pain of that. Like I was, I mean, morphine wouldn't touch this pain. Like nothing helped nothing helped the pain. So it was just, and I just had to sort of endure feeling them dissolve and break up and all of it. And I, I had every test under the sun. They wanted to try to, they were trying to figure out why they checked Mm -hmm. my heart and they, they couldn't. And I remember like the only thing different that I had done was start taking hormones, but they, it's almost unbelievable. when I think back, they were so sure. And so adamant that this was unrelated to birth control pills, even though you see those commercials and they say that, you know, there's a risk of blood clots. And, and so in my mind, yeah, they, and they've, and that's not like that. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's always been a risk yeah. with those.
1: Yeah. But I think wow. my age and that uh, the fact that I was so, you know, seemingly healthy to them and it just was, it was so, like, it couldn't be that there. And, and I would ask, like, well, what uh-huh. about the birth control? That's a risk. And they said, it's just the the chances are so small that it's just not what caused it. And so I think the hardest thing, the most traumatizing thing about that whole experience was no answers. No, I, I got no answers and I couldn't accept like how I was supposed to move on with my life, having no answers as to why I almost just died from something. Not just like you stubbed your toe, like very serious that should have taken my life that didn't. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't give me any answers. So I didn't know how to process the magnitude of what just flipped my world upside down at 17. And so I kind of just, you know, I was, had to give myself shots multiple times a day, every single day for the next six months of blood thinners and had to wear this port in my stomach. And um, there were some perks to it. Like I got to wear sweats. I was at a private school with a strict dress code. So I got to wear sweatpants (laughs) and um, be comfy every day. And I got to take the elevator. And I got to get out of PE.
0: <laughs> That's all I, I went to private so school. Get, we had dress codes.
1: It. Like, I remember how nice that would have been.
0: Like that would have been a benefit. It was
1: nice. Um, But it really yeah. rocked my world. And I remember like coming home from the hospital, just feeling like a 90 year old woman, like getting up out of the bed to brush my teeth, to shower was like a feat. It was an accomplishment. And um, it really took the full year to recover. Um, but it didn't, none of it sunk in. Like, I think I was just traumatized and didn't know it. So I really just felt numb, kind of surviving. So I remember come graduation thinking like, wow, I got a second chance at life. Like I survived something that most people don't. And I I was leaning towards either staying home for college and taking a different route. But I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, Follow my heart. I'm gonna go live my life and I'm gonna go give it a shot. And I'm gonna move back to California and and go follow my dreams. And that's what I did. So at, at 18, I moved back to California by myself this time and just had the time of my life, like some of the best memories of my life. I was just living it up. I joined a girl group and we toured around the world and had some really amazing opportunities and all the while, I was accumulating a ton more trauma within relationships and with men and and just in the music business. There's enough of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what's really fascinating is after having the blood clots, I really walked away untouched in many ways. Like I didn't realize it at the time that the worst part about all of that was going to be the PTSD and the anxiety, but most people, you know, are, are damaged forever. They have a stroke and then they can't talk and walk. Like any of that could have happened. I mean, it could have lost my life, but I also could have had debilitating aftermath from it. And I really, really was protected. Like I really walked away <clears throat> unscathed, which is a miracle in itself too. And so I felt like nothing happened. And I, it, I feel like it maybe should have been a wake-up call but it wasn't yet. Mm-hmm. It. it hadn't woken me up yet. I was very much still just asleep in a lot of ways and just living my life. And, and I think that was a coping mechanism too. I, I think I was not ready. So I think it would be hard at that age to be going through all of that, you know, the,
0: both the physical and the mental aspects of that and being able to fully process it. Exactly. I mean, you're so young at that point still, Exactly. I can't imagine. And I feel
1: like I always felt like an old soul and I always felt wise, but I also have always been pretty naive, you know? And, and I think you're exactly right. It was too much for my soul to manage both. And so it was a nice little, it's not like it was a vacation, but it kind of just felt like it it was, it it served a good purpose coming out of that trauma just to go and, you know, follow my dreams and do what I loved and um, had a great time until a year later, the panic attack started. And that was a first for me. Um, And I ended up in the ER a few times thinking I was dying just from the aftermath of the biggest thing was I didn't, I didn't know how to trust my body now. Like, Mm -hmm. I already had this belief for over half my life that my genes are bad and, and, and whatever. But now it's like, okay, this thing, this, life-threatening thing happened in my body and they're just blaming it on me. Oh, I left out a big important part was that when I was, um, when they were testing me for, you know, seeing if it was genetic and it wasn't, there was nothing in the family. They labeled me with, I, I had a positive ANA come back, which is typically like shown in people with lupus. So they told me, I had three of the five symptoms of lupus. So they labeled me like autoimmune, but there were no answers other than that. And so, and when did that happen? That's when I was still, so when I was in the hospital and they were trying to figure out what caused this, but then, I mean, for months after I was at, I would go to the hematologist weekly and I would get, and this is while I'm on blood thinners, I would get 20, 30, sometimes 50 vials of blood. And I remember this one time. This is a little bit graphic, but I was getting blood drawn because they were always checking and testing for something. And the nurse—I don't know what happened—but she missed, and because I was on blood thinners, I mean, it was like blood <sighs> it went everywhere. And at this point, I'm a pro; like, I—I I was just so used to it. But it was like out of a horror movie, and it just—it's—it's it's hard to believe, like how much you know my poor immune system just. Having to give all that blood and the constant—I mean, I went in for CAT scans almost every month to keep checking if the clots broke up. So just constant radiation and, wow. um, yeah, it was relentless. It was really just like it, it was sad because they just didn't know. Now we're back to when the panic attacks started. So end up in the ER a few times. Panic attacks start and. I'm sort of just floundering around in LA, like nothing's really panning out with record deals and things just aren't really happening how I had hoped. And so my parents dragged me back home and I'm kicking and screaming the whole way back because it just felt like I had to give up my entire life stream and like I failed and it was just like immediately, I was so depressed, because I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And I knew what that meant. And so I came back home to Tennessee. And at this point, I'm 20, about to be 21. And my parents say, you have to get a real job. And it was just so crushing. Um, So Mm -hmm. I would say that's when depression really sort of hit me for the first time. And that's when I was... um, I was just having a really hard time coming to terms with, I'm going to have to go back to school for something else and give up music. And so the doctor, that was the first time the doctor put me on antidepressants and um, Xanax and the whole thing to get me over the hump of the mm-hmm. transition. Right. So, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I come to terms with my life and I decided to go to beauty school. And I remember thinking, I remember just getting to a place within myself where I really thought I was at peace with quitting music. And I really thought it was like my choice and like, you know, you know, I prayed to God and obviously after over 10 years of pursuing this and not working out, like, it's just not meant to be like, I have to take the hint and just, I couldn't understand why I was given a gift to not use it, but I just had to, I accepted it. And I just almost became really kind of bitter and I never, I was very closed off to music, and I and I was done. So now I'm going to build and create a new life. And so I go to beauty school, and um, I start to live a very toxic lifestyle, and am in even more toxic relationships, and just being in beauty school, just the chemicals and everything at this time, just like bogging my liver even more, and so. Here's where my story gets even more interesting. <laughs> so um, I'm 23 and I'm out to dinner with a friend. And halfway through, I am unable to swallow. And it kind of freaks me out. Cause like, you know, I'm, I'm a, the biggest foodie. I mean, you kind of have to swallow, right? Um and yeah. I'm the biggest foodie of all time like I was so passionate about food and I'm an Italian girl and like everything revolves around food in our family and I just was like if I didn't do music I wanted to be a food critic or like a baker or like I just love food. And so here I am now and I I'm having a hard time swallowing and I'm just I try to just go on with it and not, you know, get too panicked about it but
0: When you were at the restaurant and you were having trouble swallowing, how did that manifest itself directly after that? Were you, was it just like a switch went off and you couldn't swallow anymore Mm -hmm. or did it progress? Did it progressively get worse? It was
1: exactly like that. It was like a switch went off and I couldn't swallow. It almost initially felt like an irritation. And then it just felt like, like I couldn't get the food down. So then I became really hyper aware of this. Like the next few days, I'm like, you know, I'm scared it's going to happen again. And like, we have to eat. Right. So, but I tried to not really dwell on it. Um, and I went to a doctor and they did more ultrasounds and more tests and didn't find anything physically. So they put me back on more antidepressants because they said it must be anxiety. That's what we think it's an an anxious thing. But then, like, a week later, I actually, like, I choked so bad on food. And from that moment on, like, I was completely traumatized to the point where I could not swallow even water. I couldn't, like, so from then. Oh, my God. I just started to waste away. Like, I lost 40 pounds in a few weeks. I I was just, like it's hard to put into words like what that felt like. And the doctors Mm -hmm. didn't, they just thought it was anxiety. And I remember praying, like desperately praying to God to have, to have something neurologically wrong. So I could have kind of like with the blood clots, like I was praying to have a disease so that I had an answer because I knew if this was just anxiety, it was just all in my head. And I, it felt absolutely impossible to heal that. And so completely hopeless. And I just like, the thought of getting through every day was just impossible. It just felt like, how am I going to do this? Like, I can't even drink water. Like I can't, so I was surviving on uh, protein shakes and Ensure shakes. And I remember the doctor specifically saying like, Alyssa, you can live on these ensure shakes for the rest of your life. Like we have elderly patients that do it every day. Like, so don't worry. And I remember thinking, okay.
0: And I would just interject here that we did just right before we started taping, we looked up the ingredients in those and they are pretty horrifying. It's a nightmare. And they're the only healthy thing in there is water. And it's probably not filtered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But the
1: doctor's telling you, yeah, you can live on these for the rest of your life. Yeah. So in my, so again, I'm 23 when this starts back on antidepressants. And I try to just, I mean, at this point I'm, I'm starting to become more self-aware and commit myself to like a a spiritual journey. And I start to go to different healers and just try to find answers and to learn more about myself and, and dive into some of the trauma. And you were working in the hair salon. I was doing hair. Yep. And so this goes on for the next four years. And it progressively just gets worse and worse. There are periods where, with the when I was on the antidepressants, where it feels like it helped a little bit, where I was able to have moments where I felt somewhat normal. But the biggest thing is I never felt normal again. Like after that one moment in that restaurant, I was completely different. And, and you know how, like, it's like breathing. Like we breathe. And unless you're doing breath work, you don't think like, breathe in, breathe out. Like it's just automatic. Well, the same thing with eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us, I know there's mindful eating, but we don't think and are so aware of every chew to swallow to, to down the hatch. Like you just don't think about it. Right. You don't t- you take it for yeah. granted because it's, it generally speaking always yeah. works. And, and I think I just became so hyper-focused. And the other thing was, and people would point this out to me probably to make me feel better, but it made me feel so much worse was how many people choke? like, you know, a lot of people that choke and like live to tell the tale, like it doesn't take everybody out, but it traumatized mm-hmm. me so bad that where it created this phobia and it was actually diagnosed, it's called phagophobia of the sphere of swallowing. And I went to the mm-hmm. ends of the earth trying to heal this and find anybody that I knew I couldn't find a soul. And I know that's not true, but at the time I couldn't find anybody that experienced this. And so my world just became like smaller and smaller and I became so isolated and I really started to lose myself and to lose my life and everything in it relationships because everything changed. Like everything about me and that brought me joy and everything like just started to, my whole lifestyle changed. I didn't go out to eat anymore. Like I just felt like I was being robbed of everything. And the whole time the, the anxiety kept getting worse. I, I just felt so incredibly alone. And my family was terrified because they just see me wasting away and they don't know how to help. And I went to the ends of the earth. At this point I'd been off and on Xanax and antidepressants and all the pharmaceuticals multiple times. And I knew in my heart and soul that it was just masking it. It never got me better. And so I was truly committed to healing myself and getting to the root of it. There was something in me that knew that that was, possible. Like there was still that hope within me and, and being a child of God that we, that our bodies can heal. I had no mm-hmm. idea how, and it felt completely impossible, but I was willing to die trying to, to get to the bottom of it. Cause I knew it wasn't working what I was doing. And at this point, all the other stuff had failed me so many times. There were, there were just so many instances in my journey where I had pharmaceuticals almost kill me now granted it mm-hmm. also saved my life when I had blood clots. If, if if I didn't have Western medicine and I didn't have the blood thinners at that moment, I wouldn't be here. So I'm very, very grateful. But when it came to all my chronic stuff, I feel like it was just masking it or making things worse. And so it got to the point where I was just fed up. I was done and I knew that wasn't the way. And so I had to find another way and I was truly on my own. Every doctor and specialist and, 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 even healers and everybody looked you know, just said, you know, they had never seen this and they didn't know what to do. And so I hired coaches and I did went to retreats and I did everything. And at this point it got so bad where I lost friends. I lost my boyfriend. I lost my family. Um, because they, you know, they were so scared for my life. They just were desperate to get me help and, I refused to go down that path and go into like an inpatient rehab or something to go back on more pharmaceuticals. So that kind of estranged me from my family at the time. So I was truly alone. And I I just remember, I mean, mattress island, like completely, I would just sit and stare at the four walls. I became agoraphobic. So I, I could not function in any way. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't even leave my room. I was so triggered by sounds and lights and it just felt like it felt like my body had no skin and all of my nerves were exposed. And I was being like struck by lightning and electrocuted at this, like all the time. Like that's what it felt like. In my, like if I tried to walk into a grocery store and run in for like bananas, like I couldn't do, I would go into just, it almost felt like seizures or something. And I wasn't diagnosed with that. My diagnoses were severe PTSD, panic disorder, anxiety, depression, um, and the phobias and, and the psychiatrist after the third time being on the antidepressant and having a life-threatening, um, reaction from it that caused me to have really severe tremors and twitches and spasms. Um, obviously I couldn't be on that anymore. And they said, well, don't worry, there's a million other drugs we can put you on. And I said, I'm done. Like I was I was so terrified to try something else, but I was so terrified not to be on something, but it was just at that crossroads of like, well, I'm not going that route. I'm going to have to do this naturally. And so he said, mm-hmm. I, I would need extensive psychotherapy and talk therapy, which was going to be, you know, something I couldn't afford, but that could be, you know, a way through it. Not only could I not function and, and my nerves are so inflamed and I'm starving to death. And I was literally when it wasn't the insure shakes, I would live on quarts of ice cream because it was the only thing that I felt safe not to choke on because it would just melt down and it was thick enough like water I would choke on because it was too thin. So, um, w- I mean, just no energy. Just imagine my adrenals, just everything. Um, lost my right. cycle, lost my hair, lost lost it all. Um, lost Completely lost my will to live. Wow. Um, I would just beg and pray to die every night because I just couldn't wrap my head around. Here I am now 26. And the thought of like having to live another like 50, 60, 70 years was like, I couldn't even imagine. And I I was like, there's no way. Like I can't, I can't travel. I can't leave my room, nothing. So it was just all too much. Mm-hmm. And I just prayed every single night for God to just either bring me home or to bring me the right people that could yep. help me. And <laughs> I was scrolling on Facebook and um, I remember seeing an ad for this documentary that was coming out that fall, it was called the Heal documentary. And I was like, I have to see this. Like it just it made my cells dance. And so as soon as that came out, I had it pre-ordered and I was so excited to watch it. And it was just like such an answered prayer, everything about that documentary I was resonant with. And I just felt like it was validating everything I knew in my spirit of that was true that the path I was on, even though it appeared to myself and to the world and to people around me that I was getting worse and worse and worse. I still knew something within me that like my body could heal. I just had the right resources and the right support.
0: Yep. So for anyone who hasn't seen the heal documentary, I saw it right when it came out too. And it was, it's amazing. And it, and it documents some healing journeys of a few people with some different types of healing modalities,
1: It was basically like different modalities and ways that you can heal yourself naturally. And it was like all of these, uh, they did a case study where it was like all of these different um, uh, cancers that were terminal cancers. And they studied all of these patients that took the natural route of healing and what they had in common to see. And there was a, a list of 12 things. And I think only two of them were related to like, diet. Everything else was like, um, there was mm-hmm. emotional, spiritual, there's all these aspects, but it was all a holistic, natural way that they healed what was told impossible. Um, yeah. And some of the
0: people that were featured in there were people like Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden and Deepak Chopra and Michael Beckwith mm-hmm. and Marianne Williamson and- anthony william the anthony medical william. William. i
1: remember just really really resonating connecting with everything in that documentary but when i saw anthony william and there was something about that moment where i was like this is my answer this is my guy <laughs> so i it was just like a full body yes it was my answered prayer it was like the angel singing it was just it was a really visceral moment of like truth for me. And so immediately I bought the first book medical medium and the secrets behind chronic and mystery illness and how to find and heal. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately my journey took a turn for, for the worst at this point. So this was, I think the documentary came out in November of 2017. And then I didn't think I could get worse, but somehow I got even sicker and sicker and sicker with the same symptoms, it just, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't live my life. So I couldn't go to holidays and I couldn't go to weddings and really important events that was really, really heartbreaking. And so after, you know, having to not go and sort of make excuses, cause I didn't really know it was, none of us really knew what was going on just saying like, I can't come and letting people down. Now it's my brother's high school or college, um, Graduation and the pressure is on for my family. They're just pressuring me. Like, how can you not support your brother and not go? And and so I just really tried to suck it up and just I, I just it took everything in me to just to try to go and wrap my head around it's just going to be like a weekend and I can do this. Well, I get there and I couldn't last two seconds. So I walked in the restaurant, walked right back out. I just couldn't do it. And I ended up locking myself in the hotel room for the weekend. And with me was the medical medium book and. I remember I read cover to cover with like that night. And I also, the very first thing I did was I played the anxiety radio show. And I have chills right now speaking about it because I'll never forget that moment. It was, it was as if Anthony was speaking directly to me and every symptom he mentioned and, and in the order of it, like it was, it was for me. It was like, somebody knew and understood how I felt and it wasn't hopeless and it was immediate, the gift and healing of hope. And I just felt like I could breathe for the first time and that I'm not completely doomed. And I can't even describe just how comforting and how soothing that was. And I, I just, just to feel seen and to feel heard and to know that like there was help out there. I knew this was my answer. And I, I've actually never experienced greater knowing ever in my life than that moment. It was, it was complete truth of God and light of God in that moment. And, and that was very, very healing just without even having like the tools and resources yet, just having that truth and knowing like, here it is Mm -hmm. changed my life.
0: I feel like that's one of the things that I hear from so many people when they find medical medium, that it just, resonated to the core of their being that it's like, yes, this is the truth. I finally found the truth. I don't even have to dig into it too far. I already There know. was not
1: one doubt in my being. And it's actually, it's been really cool on my journey as I, you know, over the past few years too, just having that anchor of truth. It's really kind of been like my gauge for how I navigate things, like having that knowing mm-hmm. and knowing what that feels like now I can it's allowed me to grow my own self-trust and trust in, in my faith in God. And it's been really beautiful. It's actually strengthened my faith and brought me closer to God than ever before. And so that's been a really beautiful aspect too. But so I think it was, it was not, it was when I got home and it was not long after the first thing I did was run to the juice bar, got my first celery juice. Oh, I, I remember this is funny. <laughs> when i when i learned that the answer or you know one of the answers to my problems was celery juice uh-huh i i wanted to die because it felt like a cruel joke because i i like <laughs> am someone that i mean loathed celery like i you couldn't pay me like i oh, wouldn't touch it with wow. a ten foot pole like everything about celery i don't care if it was doused dipped in chocolate or ranch or like I hated it. I tried so many times, and I was like, "This is a cruel joke, God!" Like now I have to juice this stuff, and like it could have been anything else. It large quantities every day. Could have day. been anything else, but that is testament to truly the level of desperation. I would have done anything. I would have drank <laughs> anything, and so I was willing to do it. And I was just like, "Oh God, what's this gonna? This is like I had no idea what to expect, but. I, you know, my expectations were just very low, I'm just like, oh, it's gonna be bad. And I'm just gonna have to stomach it because this is my medicine. And I would remember being so shocked in a good way at, at how pleasant it was. It really was like nothing like eating a celery stick. I got a good batch mm-hmm. that day. I was very fortunate. And I remember <laughs> like how bad it have you ever felt the tingles and like the burning from it? Like when you're new to it, I remember yes. like my tongue and everything was just burning, and I started to panic, thinking like, "Oh God, am I having an allergic reaction?" But I calmed down, and then I I kept up with that because I didn't own a, ju- a juicer or anything at the time, so I would just go to the juice bar when I could, and um, and then I kind of dove in from there. And it'll be four years this fall that I've been on my okay. been on my journey. Um, but I want to tie in the, the music piece and how we got to yes. Angel of Mercy song. So when I when I had the book, um, I read, I read the whole thing. And obviously I was very concerned with you know what I need to do and like just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. But I was really, really fascinated with the spiritual aspect to everything. And so I I went right to the essential angels chapter and, and learned about that aspect.
0: So the last chapter in that first book, uh, chapter 23 is called The Essential Angels. And so that's the chapter we're talking about. And
1: so I remember the first angel listed, I believe, is Angel Mercy, who you call on in your absolute darkest hour. And that's where I had been living. I found myself where it just couldn't get any lower. And so I that stuck with me and I remembered that. And so When it when things got even worse for me after I had just read the book and then it took a a turn for for the worse, it was Christmas that year and I was alone and it was just me and the piano. And another important thing to note since last I spoke about music, I had quit music. And I really, I mean, it was really sad. I hadn't written a song in six years, I hadn't performed, I hadn't even really sung in the shower or anything. I was just very closed off to music. And while I was going through earlier that year, before finding medical medium, I was working with a life coach who, he was kind of like a Tony Robbins. And it, you know, it was about rewriting my thoughts and, and the power of the mind and affirmations. And there was an exercise he wanted me to do where I was journaling my affirmations to um, reprogram my brain. And he had mentioned that he was going to put it to music just to amplify the power of the affirmations. But he gave me a challenge knowing that I had the past the music and he wanted me to add the music. And so I was like terrified because here I am thinking like, I don't do this anymore and I haven't written in so many years and I didn't think I could do it, but it was a really beautiful experience because there was no pressure. It's not like I was showing up to a writing session and I had to write a hit song. It was just, no, I'm just going to let myself be. And I'm just going to write my truth. I'm going to write my affirmations and I'm going to sit at the piano and see what happens. And it was a magical moment. And I feel like, you know, the song kind of just wrote itself and it was beautiful. And I, you know, there was no pressure because I knew no one was ever going to hear it. (laughs) Well, that wasn't (laughs) true. So he, I, I, he heard it. And then he ended up sharing it in this Facebook group that we were in. And um, that kind of gave me a little bit of confidence to sort of like, it opened the door back up to music. And so I was not open to, putting myself out there with music at this point, but just for me to be able to sit down at the piano and play again was just really beautiful. So while I was, you know, going through hell that whole year, I turned to music, actually music came and saved me and reminded me the power of, of how healing it is. And I wrote myself, they're kind of like, they kind of feel nursery rhymey. Maybe that's not doing it justice, but they were just these healing, these little healing songs that that truly got me through the worst of the panic attacks. And a lot of it was just affirmations that I would put to music or just like these healing, hopeful messages, where it just felt like God and angels coming through me to give me these divine messages of hope that was channeled into song. And so I was doing that leading up to mm-hmm. finding Anthony. And then when I learned about Angel of Mercy, I stored that in the back of my head and then wasn't expecting things to get so bad. They got worse. And I find myself alone at the piano on Christmas and I'm just even more done than done. Like I'm just completely hopeless. I sit down and I I start playing these three chords and I just start wailing and asking, you know, and, and prayer to angel of mercy and the song just poured through me. And it honestly doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel like I wrote it. It really feels like it was all the work of God. And I believe that it is just the power of the song. And it's, it's my prayer and it was my hope. And I just remember feeling very like healed from it in that moment.
0: And, and I'd love to read a couple of the lines from it because I think it really illustrates sort of the place that you were at. I mean, Mm -hmm. here are a couple of the lines from it. It's hard to see the end of the road when all I see is the end of the rope. I know it gets better in time, but I feel so Mm -hmm. blind. And obviously, having just heard so much of your story, we can see where that comes from, right? And the line after that is, I don't want to fight this anymore. And then, you know, as you go into the chorus, hey, angel of mercy, can you hear me cry? It's too much to carry. I'm surrendering. I'm surrendering. It's so
1: simple, but it was so honest of where I was. Yeah. And I remember thinking after that moment, because I felt a lot of relief because the power of angel of mercy obviously was present is present in this song and i remember feeling just that hope of god and and then i was overwhelmed with gratitude the fact that i had this wisdom and i and i had hope and i wouldn't have had that without anthony and without spirit and i just sat there crying and i remember thinking god, i just wish i could thank him one day as i'm sure so many of us do i just wish yeah. I could thank him one day. And I also had the thought in the back of my head that like this was bigger than me. Like it was not supposed to be, cause I was very adamant about like, nobody can hear this. This is so vulnerable. All of this, you know, this is so scary to, you know, even think about putting myself back out there, especially the state I found myself in. Like, I just felt like the weakest, you know, thinking of being a performer or anything was not on the radar. But I remember thinking like, this has the power to heal the world. It's something that's so much bigger than me. And yeah, that was, that was a really profound moment of, um, of medical medium finding me and just God really carrying me through it all. Even when I felt so alone and felt like forsaken, honestly, I just, I wasn't, I look back and it was, I was so beautifully, divinely led and guided and carried through all of it and really shown what I'm made of. The other cool part is that so so right after I wrote that, I ended up hiring this healer to to meet me at this cabin in the woods because I just felt like I needed to put life on pause, shut the world out and just like let myself be for five minutes and have support and someone I felt safe with to help me just do whatever I need to do. If I need to cry for seven days a week, whatever, just to have that safety. So that whole experience was divine. And we, we show up to this cabin and there's a piano there. And and it was like 2 a.m. one night. And I had told her that I had just written this song that I wanted to, to share with her. And so she starts recording it on her phone. And I was not aware because, I, you know, to my knowledge, I would have had to be perfect, to, you know, if, if something was going to be posted, which I was not open to at the time. So we just had this beautiful moment and I started playing her this song and I didn't even know that she was a singer too. And she just started improvising with me. And we had this gorgeous moment of, of singing angel of mercy together. And, and then she told me she recorded it and I was like, what? And she's like, you have to post this. Like you have music is her calling. You have to do this. You have to do this. And she's like, I'm making you an Instagram. And I was just so, I was so closed off to it. I was so resistant couldn't wrap my head around any of it the thought of like entering back into the music business was just so beyond like I didn't have the energy or the desire whatsoever and also like I said I was just such I felt like I was just a shell of who I used to be that I just wanted to keep hiding so nothing in me was ready for that and so I did create an Instagram and I posted that video, but I kept it private and I never, ever told anyone about it. And I don't think it had any views. And that's where the other part of this miracle comes in is then fast forward to, I don't know, six, seven, eight months later. And I wake up one day and my phone's blowing up and I see medical Medium reposted this video (laughs) of me singing the song. And I was like, jaw dropped, like what? how, how, like, how, how, why how? Why now? Like, and right before that, I remember, I remember praying and asking, you know, for, you know, guidance around my purpose and what I was supposed to do and what was next for me. And if I'm supposed to do music, like give me a sign. And <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> you were talking to the you right know, It just felt like especially for the, for how resistant and closed off I was, it was like, God beat me over the head with like, is this enough of a sign? Like, I'm going to do it for you. You don't even have to do anything because my whole life working growing up in the business, I felt like I had to try so hard to break down doors and to, you know, claw my way through and to be, you know, and this, my journey since 2017 has been complete opposite of that. If that's not validation to this vocation of mine. And so loud now, and clear,
0: I got that message. Well, and of course you've been talking to the right people, right? You're talking to yeah, the angels. That's true. I always think, you know, when I'm spending a lot of time listening to radio shows, I always find myself sort of talking to Anthony. I'm sure he can't <laughs> hear me, but spirit of compassion, maybe yeah, can hear us, right? Course. Like, and maybe Anthony can hear us yeah. too. I mean, I've had him come to me in dreams. I swear he reaches out to Absolutely. us in dreams to make sure we're doing okay. Absolutely. And you know that works better than the internet ever absolutely. has right
1: absolutely no i'm so right there with you and i think that's totally true yeah from there it you know that moment just completely flipped my world upside down now in a positive way and gave me some cur- you know courage and encouragement to pursue this again and to open my heart back up to to doing this but the most beautiful piece of it all was like i used to write songs my whole life and I wrote good music and it was all great. But this, this was a whole different thing. And the fact that it was this song and it was shared with this community that felt like, I mean, this medical medium community is the ultimate blessing for me personally, because I've kind of always felt like an outsider, just like I didn't belong in the world, especially within my family and all, you know, and for the first time mm-hmm. I, in this community, it's like people that get it, that get me, that see me, yes. that I feel truly safe, and I know there's other people that that truly understand that level of hopelessness and end of rope, and just being in such a dark place. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. comfort, and I just found that it was the most beautiful place to to have this music be shared and to have it be received. And it was, it has been from that day received so beautifully or just, it blows me away. I'm like, so, so incredibly humbled by the whole thing. And so honored. Like I still, it still blows my mind and it just feels like the gift of a lifetime. And if I, if I died tomorrow, I would feel just full of gratitude and like complete just, you know, for that like gift and, and the messages that I receive of how people, how this song has impacted them, it, it truly keeps me going because I still have dark days. Yeah. You know, I'm still, I'm still on my healing journey and I have, have come so far. And I, I made a list just for my own knowledge of, of all of my symptoms that I've had and that I've healed. And my list is over a hundred items long. It's unbelievable. Uh-huh. Like I feel like every symptom Anthony has mentioned in the books, I have had them. Yeah. So it's unbelievable how far I've come and how I've transformed but I'm I'm still on the journey and truly like messages like that and of how it's impacted people really really keep me keep me moving forward and inspire me like no other to keep writing more and so I'm just so grateful.
0: I'm so grateful for you too because I listened to the song and it's it was just one of those things that I hugely connected to it and I was playing it and I do this, I don't know if other people like I just put it on replay. Like I would just let it loop. It would be my background music as I sit here at my desk and do my work. And it's just so comforting. And you know, obviously there's there is some message in there about how you were at your deepest and darkest, but I also can see the hope in there. Mm-hmm. And that's what is so comforting to me when I sit and listen to it over and over and over again.
1: Thank you for saying that. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful to hear. And it's funny because I have a very similar experience. And I think that's why I feel like, like, I know I wrote it, but I feel like it, I didn't because of the way it impacts me. And I know when I write songs that are just like pop songs or whatever, yeah, it's great, but it doesn't have that impact or it really like, it moves me to tears. And for your own song, I don't mm-hmm. say that, you know, like, but for that song to move me to tear, to this day, to move me to tears and to heal me so deeply, like truly, if I, if I have a dark day or a moment where I'm just feeling hopeless or going through something and I put that on and I am moved to tears and I just feel like you said, it's so cathartic. Cause you just it's this prayer and you're just surrendering and you're giving it up. And then you feel the light and you feel the peace and the hope and the comfort that comes with it. And you know that you're supported and the power of music is from heaven. Like, well, it could go either way, but I, you know, that's why I'm like very particular about what I write because the frequency of it, you amplify what you are, you know, the energy of that. And so it takes it to another level Mm -hmm. too of, of power and it's really profound. And so I'm just like, oh, it's the best feeling when people, I've had several people say that they keep it on repeat and that it, you know, it saved their life. And that's just, I'm speechless over Yeah. It's, thank you. It's just an honor. And it's such a gift. Oh, such I a mean, gift. and it clearly hit you all at just the exact moment. It's all been so divine looking back. It's like, yeah even when I thought I was so off track or not doing things perfectly or whatever it was, it's all been so divine. And Mm -hmm. that really gives me, that really builds my trust in present moment and gives, gives me more faith and gratitude because I just know, like, I think that's been the biggest part of my PTSD that I, I still work through is just like learning how to feel safe in my body and how to really trust, be comfortable in my body. And also You know, I spent most of my life hating myself and my body to now being on this journey of like true deep self love. And that has been so remarkable and so life changing and so beautiful. And that only grows deeper every day. Um, And it's a journey. And yeah, like the message that Anthony sends about the healing power
0: of our bodies and how they want to heal. And if you give them the right things, they will do it. And really internalizing that. And giving, you know, for me, giving my body what it needed and then really watching it just blossom
1: from that, I had no idea. It's remarkable and how our bodies want to heal. We just have to support them and sort of move move out of the way and and believe in our bodies. Like our bodies have never failed us. Even when I thought I just always carried the belief, even after the near-death experience and everything that like my body always failed me. And that was so far from Mm -hmm. the truth. My body did nothing but unconditionally love and support me, even after all the abuse I put it through. And like, you know, all of that, like it always has been there for me. And so now I'm like, that freak in the corner that like, you know, just like, I'm, I'm like hugging my liver and just talking to myself. Just like, I love you. Thank you so much. You know, just like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you say that. I talk to my liver all the time. I do. I
1: like, I'm just, I'm always talking and hugging my liver and like touching myself and kissing myself. And just, cause I feel like I have a lot to make up for, you know, like I'm just so grateful. And, and there are still moments when I get into trauma loops where I go back in that cycle of like my, my initial reaction, a lot of times in like a panic moment is still, Oh my God, like my body's failing or what's happening. Just like that fear of death, just like losing control and not feeling safe. And then I quickly remind mm-hmm. myself like, no, it's the complete opposite. And my body's not attacking me. My body's not failing me. My body's helping me. And so it's, it's, it's been really cool to just see that shift. One of many things, but I'm just full of gratitude.
0: Yeah. It's his work is
1: such a, Oh, it's so profound. Like
0: it's such an understatement, but I mean, my goodness.
1: It's so beautiful. So where does your health stand now? My, so I really went a lot deeper last year and I started because I, I had progressively been, you know, healing tremendously a lot. And I think I started with obviously my, my two, biggest symptoms were the anxiety and the acne that plagued me. And so that was sort of my focus and everything. I mean, instantaneously, I was feeling relief. Like from the first day, I started to feel improvements, whether they were big or small, I was moving forward. Even at, mm-hmm. at moments in the journey when I wasn't perfect and I had a no food or it, I was always moving forward and learning so much about myself. And, and it's been great, but I really just felt called to go deeper last year. And that really moved me forward. Like I kind of felt like maybe I was sort of plateaued and that really like catapulted me and fast to a new level of healing. And I had to, I had to go through some rough patches and I feel like I had to, you know, some stuff surface from deep within that, um, you know, it's that two steps forward, three steps back, I think is what they say, like three steps forward, two steps back two steps back. It's definitely so up and down a roller coaster. And, but I feel like that has been strengthening me along the way. Just like the more that happens and the more I get like a grasp on how this whole healing journey works, like it gets a little bit easier. And so I had to have mm-hmm. some, had some bumps in the road, but to where I stand today, it's, it's unbelievable. Like how far I've come. I've healed my body acne that I had for 20 years, which I was going to say, even sitting here with the video, like your skin is radiant. Thank you. It's unbelievable. I didn't, I truly didn't think I would ever have clear skin. So that's, I mean, huge. And then so much, like I said, I had that list of over a hundred things and I was going through and it's like, (laughs) Oh my God, like most of this is all healed. I still, sometimes will get a flare. Like recently last month, I I got hit with the, a virus and it really knocked me down and I had, you know, some things resurface but even even in that it's nothing like it was before and I think I'm so used to feeling so amazing, like my energy is amazing and I I feel so good all of the time that when I do get sick, which is like very rare, or I do have something flare up or whatever, it's like oh, like I'm just not used to, you know, ha- you know, feeling bad and so
0: it's funny because recently I've had um one of my biggest issues when I started over five years ago now was brain Mm -hmm. fog. And over the last week or so, I've had some brain fog issues for the first time in Mm -hmm. years. And I get, I was laughing with my mom because I said, I get so irritated. I said, it's not nearly as bad as it was. It's just a little bit of it, but I haven't had it in so long. And I thought it was gone. And I just (laughs) get mad. I'm not tolerant of it. I'm like, okay. I've got to change some things up. So even as we're sitting doing this, she can see I'm sitting here drinking heavy metal detox smoothie every Mm, few minutes. So I'm just trying to keep my glucose up, but it's like, I have no
1: tolerance for it anymore. It's like, exactly.
0: My standards are higher. I'm going to feel better. And I
1: just don't, yeah, I don't, I I just love feeling good. And that's my new normal. I think I was so used to feeling so bad. I didn't know any different, but brain fog is the worst. And I had, I mean, severe to the point where I, I couldn't speak. I would stutter always on my cycle. I would stutter. Um, Can't put sentences Mm -hmm. together and dyslexic and just, I mean, just so bad. I just, I've actually never done drugs or anything, but I equate it to just, I felt high all the time. Like I just could not think. And sometimes it pops up like randomly and you wonder why, but you know, there's so many exposures around us. There's so many things, but yeah, it is rare. I would say the biggest thing for me that I'm really working to heal is, and and as we know, like our nerves take such a long time to heal and my nervous system has been hit yes. so incredibly hard and it's, I'm so sensitive. So I know that that is going to take time and it might take me a, f- a few more years and I'm, I don't care how long it takes. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm here for it. So, but every day gets a little bit better and I just feel so mm-hmm. like eternally grateful just to have this Wisdom, this information, this work, and to have hope now. Like, even when I was just sick, I was so empowered and I healed myself completely naturally because I had the tools and I was empowered to do so. And I knew exactly what was going on. And I have this beautiful relationship with my body where it's like, it just feels like we're supporting each other and we just, you surrender into it. And it was just like, I was just, even though I was sick and miserable, like, I was so grateful for Anthony, for spirit and for this life giving foods that I get to nourish myself with every day. It's really remarkable and how it's changed me as a person and, and carried into every aspect of my life and my relationships. And it's hard because where I live and, you know, within my family and, and, you know, in my life in circle here, it's not common and it's not really like always received because you can't, I think the people that find this work and this information, like, you know, we've all been through the the depths of darkness together. And I think you have to, you can't just, I've gifted people so many books and in the beginning, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops and push it on people. Like I have the answers. Don't you want the answers? But people don't, people don't. And and you you can't like, what is that saying? You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, but it's so true. Like you can't, force anybody that you have to be ready. And so I just, you know, kind of do my own thing. And, and I just love connecting with all of you in the community and thank God for social media, because I have met like my family through social media and all of you. And, um, I don't feel alone anymore, which that in itself is like so beautiful.
0: I agree. It is such a gift. It's such a gift for, I think for all of us, it's something I've definitely felt too. So I, I understand. I'm glad you're here in our community. Oh, thank you. So, my one big question
1: for you is Is there any new music coming? (laughs) There's a lot of music coming. I, the really beautiful thing for me last year, you know, I know we were in a pandemic and still are, but in quarantine, but it was so beautiful for me because I had no schedule. I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have anywhere to be. So not only was it very healing for me on a physical healing level where I could just rest and just be in my own safe space and like cook my food, you know, having time to do all that I wanted to do juicing and living in the kitchen, got deep rest, but like Mm -hmm. I got to choose what I want, how I wanted to spend my time. And, you know, if, if money didn't exist and we didn't have to go out and work and what would I do with my time? And that was obvious. And I, all I did was music. And so I really, like i i wrote more songs than i ever have combined in my life and i've just had some really amazing doors you know continue to open i just really feel like it's it's all a work of god and i'm just surrendering and trusting to the greater plan but it's what lights me up the most it's my greatest passion is is music and it's so it's my therapy it's so healing for me and if one, just one person that you know i share this music with can have can feel that hope or feel that love or resonate in any way. Like that is such a gift to me and that heals me and inspires me to keep going. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm writing, I've already written a ton this year and um, I'm going to keep releasing some more songs right now. I have three songs that are released. I just released um, one that I wrote last year called better together. And I just released that a few weeks ago. It's all been really spontaneous. I haven't, you know, had like, a plan. I kind of just, you know, I've had a lot of people. I'll, I'll put little teasers out there, and they'll beg me to release it, and then I'm like, okay, here it is, um, without any warning. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be better about promoting. But yes, more music to come.
0: Well, we'll promote some of it in the uh, show notes, so if people want to find it, we'll give them a place to oh, go. Thank look. thank
1: you. That would be wonderful.
0: And I've said this to you before. You know, one of my missions with the podcast and the work that I do is to try to. Get exposure for other things that make this lifestyle easier. And there's a lot of facets to that, right? Like some of it is so that we have, you know, to promote companies that support this lifestyle, but just to try to expand the boundaries of this community to make this lifestyle easier to live. And one of the things. I've never felt that we've really had is music for it. And while I have a few things that I listen to, I haven't really clicked in with anything that I feel like grounds me in this medical medium community space that I'm so happy in and so comfortable in sort of like what you've said. And so I look forward to your music because it's just another piece of that community. And I think while I know that I'm very excited about it, I think there's going to be a lot of other people who are really excited about it too. Cause you know, music is one of those things that it reaches us at a deeper level and it brings us together.
1: Thank you so much. So that's uh, I just look forward to, I look forward to everything. That's thank you coming. so much. That's, you know, that's so true. Like when I said it, it's this, this journey has affected all areas of my life. Like it's true. Like what I used to enjoy, I don't anymore. And I'm very, very aware and particular about what I absorb into my field, whether it's movies or TV, especially music, that was like the first thing that, that shifted for me that I even lost friends over because people, I mean, music is so important to people. Like it's truly like an incredible force here on earth and it connects us all. It doesn't matter, you know, what language you speak or what, what it is. It's, it's that frequency. And so it really connects people. And that was really hard because I felt like I didn't have anywhere to turn or I didn't have music that I wanted to listen to, or that felt good in my body or anything. And so I've received messages like that too, of just like, I, you know, I didn't have music I could listen to. And now I feel like, you know, I'm so grateful I found your music because I feel like I can listen to something again. I just like, I'm so blessed. I I know I keep saying it, but I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for that. Like I don't, it's just an honor and I don't take it lightly. It really means the world. And so yeah, there'll be a lot more to come and I'm, I'm really excited about what, what's been, what I've been creating and excited to share more. So thank you for listening.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, i thank you for doing all of it. We really appreciate it. I will speak on behalf yeah. of everybody. Like I'm thrilled. I can't thank wait. You. Um, I have one last question that I try to ask to most of my guests. If you could say one thing to somebody who's just starting out, what would it be? <sighs>
1: Self-compassion, self-love, self-trust, and surrender. I would say, and I know Anthony says this, that Spirit says that compassion is is the most important piece to healing. And I truly believe that. And and that's been proven to me time and time again. Self-love and self-compassion. You can't have love without compassion. That is the most powerful force, I think, on earth. And... And to trust, trust your journey and, and trust that you're being guided and carried every step of the way, even when you, you don't feel like it. Know that every step you're taking matters and it counts and it's moving you forward. And it's all going to make sense in hindsight. And then surrender, surrender to it all because we are so small down here and there's so much more going on. There's so much more um, happening and we are so divinely guided especially if you're guided to this information and know like that you are healing and sometimes it takes time, but it's all working out for you. So surrender, trust and compassion. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kirsten. I love you. Thank you, Alyssa. Mm -hmm. I love you. Thank (laughs) you
0: so much for being on this show. It's going to be such a gift for everybody who gets to listen to it. I'm so excited.
1: Me too. I can't wait. Thank you. Yes. Thank
0: you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find Alyssa across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok at Alyssa Degotti, which is spelled A-L-Y-S-S-A, last name D-E-G-A-T-I. You can find her music on all of the major platforms, such as iTunes, Amazon Music, Pandora, and Spotify. I'll put links for all of this in the show notes. Show notes for this episode, episode 19, are available on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free Branch Basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. Plus it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium lauryl sulfate free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com.